You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yanni Molina. He touches the ball. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. For the final time in the 2018 calendar year, welcome to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. I'm Chris Raby alongside Mike Claiborne. Ben Voigt is our executive producer. A big thanks to Ann Carroll from the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, Mike Anderson, Zach Schmidt, and everyone who helps us out with the program. Klaib's getting ready to turn the calendar, what, six weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, a lot to recap and a lot to look forward to. Can't wait for it, Chris. Um, I'm looking forward to certainly 19 for sure. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun in a lot of different regards. It'll be a different-looking spring training, and we'll have some different players, especially now when you have a guy like Andrew Miller, who the Cardinals just recently signed. I mean, this is one of the two left-handers I thought could make a difference for the Cardinals, and if you want to get Zach Britton, that'd be okay too. But I think that having a guy like Andrew Miller with his experience is certainly going to be something that's going to make the Cardinals a legitimate contender, certainly in their own division. But, you know, a lot of things happen in 18. Um, granted, we didn't get into postseason play, but, man, there were a lot of interesting things that unfolded in 2018. Let's look back at some of the fantastic moments. Obviously, the Cardinals' last winter meetings introduced us in Orlando to Miles Michaelis. Maybe not catching all of the headlines at the time, but the right-hander back in the United States would go on to make an immediate impact, both at the plate. Now from the stretch, the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball left field. That's it deep. It might go. It's a goner. Miles Michaelis with his first major league hit. A home run, no less. And the Cardinals lead 4-2. to two. How about that? And on the mound. And the pitch for uh, Perez. Swinging a long high fly ball into the right field corner. There's the Cardinal right fielder. Nice play as O'Neill runs it down and the glad hand for the Cardinal uh, right hand. What a game. And uh, what a pitching performance we've seen here back to back. Saturday with uh, Jack Flaherty and now Miles uh, Michaelis goes nine shutout innings and beats Kansas City in the first of three. Six to nothing. And Klaibs for a guy that was, you know, uh, maybe not <laughs> commanding, like I said, the headlines of a lot of free agent signings last year. He finishes in the top half of Cy Young Award voting. He'll be such an important piece for this team. And uh, he was the Jack Buck personality of the year uh, at the Jack Buck Awards. Styles with Miles is what yeah, our pregame show too. was about. But, you know, you remember those first two outings in Jupiter? And we looked at each other and, and we wondered – who thought this was a good idea? And we still look at each other and say, who thought he was a great idea? Because he turned out to be everything the doctor ordered and then some. Pitching, certainly a big, big focus of the 2018 season. You had youngsters new to the big leagues like Jack Flaherty. The 0-2 pitch here from Michael Franco. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. 12 strikeouts for Flaherty. One on, one out in the eighth inning. Jordan Hicks. 
Down to the last strike. Here's the pitch from Hicks. Strike three call for a Redbird winner, and Hicks strikes out the side with Bellinger looking, Dozier looking, Taylor looking, and this ball game has come to an end, and the Cardinals sweep the Dodgers in L.A., winning 3-1 here tonight on a Paul DeYoung home run. Michael Waka again flirting with a no-hitter. Moran waits. The pitch on the way. There's a line drive. Base hit in the right field. It was a clean line drive over the head of Colton Wong, and there goes the no-hitter. Listen to this crowd. Daniel Ponce de Leon doing the same. The 3-2 delivery is popped up left side. DeYoung goes back. In comes Ozuna. He makes the play, and Ponce de Leon is through seven. Outstanding outing for Daniel Ponce de Leon in his major league debut. And Yadier Molina greets him, shakes his hand as he comes off the field. And we'll see what Mike Schilt does from here. We go to the eighth inning. John Rooney will have it for you. One, nothing, Cardinal. And how about the return of Adam Wainwright? Wainwright looks in, gets a sign. He has uh, Dickerson 0 and 2, and he delivers. Swing and a miss on an off speed delivery. He picks up his second favorite. Uh, the strikeout for uh, Adam Wainwright is his 1600th of his career, and he gets a standing ovation, and he uh, acknowledges that with the tip of his cap. 1,600 uh, lifetime strikeouts for uh, Adam Wainwright. Claves a little bit of everything from a pitching standpoint last year. The Cardinals relied on a lot of different guys to fill a lot of different roles. They, they really did, and, and a lot of guys we, we'd not seen before. Jairo Munoz made his impressive debut in Sarasota, Florida, that we watched and broadcast that game uh, via the streaming route. Uh, then you look at some other guys like Ponce de Leon and and his impact in Cincinnati. You know, it was nice to see this young infusion of talent that you can't wait to see this upcoming year. And uh, they all made names for themselves, and they were fun to watch. How about Adam Wainwright, too, that Sunday night game against the Dodgers, maybe the performance of the year when the Cardinals absolutely needed it. He was very good, gave them innings down the stretch, and earned himself another contract. He was The Cardinals' backs were to the wall. And they needed a win. And you just didn't know what Adam was going to do. You knew he was going to give you effort. And he was able to combine that with a little talent. And all of a sudden, we beat the Dodgers. Probably the most memorable game of the year for me at Bush Stadium. Matt Carpenter put together a historic stretch after a slow start. And in the middle of July, after the All-Star break, had a day for the ages at Wrigley Field. Russell, the shortstop, plays up the middle. The 3-2 pitch is hit high in the air. Right field and deep, and it is a gunner. It goes off the scoreboard. Matt Carpenter has tied Lou Brock with 21 career game leadoff home runs. one nothing on that swing by Matt Carpenter. Bam off to a lead at second. As Lester pitches, and Carpenter swings, hitting a high fly ball. Deep right center. That's a two-run homer. And a two-home run game for Matt Carpenter. The Cardinals lead 5-0 in the second inning. Here's a swing and a high fly ball for Carpenter to right field. Back on the track. Hayward at the wall. It's a home run. The ball hit in the basket. And a three-run homer for Matt Carpenter. His third home run today and his fifth hit. An unbelievable day for the Cardinal leadoff batter, Matt Carpenter. 15-1 Cardinals.
After whipping up a batch of salsa, Carpenter found himself firmly in the National League MVP race and on August 13th hit his 33rd home run of the year. Solis from the stretch. The pitch to Carpenter. A swing and there's a drive. Hit deep. Left center field. Way back. Way back. It's a gunner. A gunner. Carpenter hits a three-run homer and the Cardinals take the lead in the eighth. Oh my. What a year for Matt Carpenter, Claves, and similar to Paul Goldschmidt last year with Arizona, to get into the MVP mix after such a slow start says a lot about him, says a lot about the Cardinals, and says a lot about sticking with the process. Yeah, they stuck with it, and you're right. That's a great comparison because Paul Goldschmidt got off to a terrible start also, and he turned it around, and, and he was just fun to watch in the second half. But it was a, it was an interesting season, certainly, for Matt Carpenter, and uh, hopefully he learned from it, and certainly the Cardinals learned that this is a guy that just doesn't quit. We also saw some dazzling defensive play, both from Harrison Bader and how about Colton Wong? Wong plays up the middle, almost behind second base for Turner. Does that wide open stance? The pitch. Turner hits a ground ball. Diving play by Wong, and he throws. Got him. Got him at first. I don't know how. Wong in short center field. In fact, toward left center. Unloaded a throw, and Turner is out by an eyelash at first. Sensational play. Unbelievable what Colton Wong just did. Clips Colton Wong could have easily won a gold glove at second base, did miss some time with injuries, but I'm really excited to see what Colton does uh, on both sides of the diamond next year. I am too, Chris. I think that uh, his offense started to come around. I think he's got a better understanding of what's going to get him on base. But, man, that glove was just something to watch. I think he was the most exciting infielder the Cardinals have had since Ozzie. So there are so many moments and, you know, not enough time to run through all of them, but I think – Last year, a team that took things down to the wire despite some bumps in the road. And this year, some expectations that are sky high. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. We'll talk a big addition for the Cardinals last year. Part of the coaching staff. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Happy New Year. We're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back. It is Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Our look back at the 2018 season as we get ready to turn the calendar to 2019. Man, how about the guys that came back to the organization, Claibs, in 2018? Jose Okendo and I guess Willie McGee for the first time as a coach, but wow, was it great to have Willie around. Uh, I think that so many guys benefited in so many ways and and can't wait to see what Willie brings to the table this year. I agree with you. Uh, His presence was just so impressive uh, on the young players, on the veteran players, and he took it all in. You know, he wanted to learn and listen before he had something to say. But to be around Willie McGee on a regular basis, man, you 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 don't trade that for anything. And I remember his first uh, show with us at live at Shannon's at the ballpark, and and how much fun he was that night as well. I want to ask you about the shift. You you won a batting championship. What did you hit? Three fifty three. One year, yes. <laughs> That's all it you takes. You all have to do it yeah. one year. Yeah, yeah, you all have to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, every time I see the shift, <laughs> I wonder what you would have hit. Had they put a shift on against you? Oh man, I tell you, three eighty, three ninety at least. I mean, because the fact if they shift us to 
the left side of the field because we were taught to hit the ball up the middle right in the left side then you could just you could you could drag bunt you right could you could ball, you were you a good bunter i mean no. that was the thing if that I, I if i tell you this if i wasn't a good bunter at that time and they do that shift i was going to be a good bunter <laughs> by the end of it <laughs> by, yeah. by that next week i'm going to be under there working <laughs> on it no you have to i mean in sports to me <clears throat> it's like in high school basketball player if you can't go to your left in high school now they're starting to scout little little league and stuff they don't mm-hmm. bother but you get to high school they scouting a little bit so if you can't go to your left that other team is going to know that, and they're going to force you to your right. Uh, you know what I'm right. saying, to your weakness. Mm-hmm. So if I don't go and work on that, then my career is pretty much going to be right there in high school. If I want to go further, then I better get out there and work on my left side to make that effective enough to open up. And if you were playing defense against the guy and he could only go to his right, every time he'd turn around, there you are, standing yeah, you right are. on his right side. You're going to have to go left, yeah. buddy. You can have right. that. <laughs> but you ain't going right. That's with, with that said, we see guys, I think that, that guys are cage happy, where I see more guys in a cage taking swings and not necessarily working on the things where teams put the shift on him because they know he might be a guy. We know he's going to hit it there because he likes to pull the ball compared to a guy who can go the other way. And I just think sometimes I see guys in the cage working on bad habits more than working on being better. Well, you said like pretty much with a purpose, but you know, pretty much these guys, they 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 do, they work like I was watching on Sooner today, you know, and he's hitting the ball the other way now. You know, Yachty mm-hmm. does a great job of it. You know, he hits like the tonight. ball the other way, yeah. he keeps his head down. You know, fundamentally, fundamentally sound. You know, I I'm in there watching, I'm in there watching every day. I don't say nothing. I just watch. You know, and the only thing I'm gonna say if I see somebody, not you know, fundamental. Mechanics, that's that's Mabry and Billy's role. So I know I can't talk to this guy about fundamentals when they're trying to get him somewhere else. But little things like fundamental things, keeping your head down, it's not going to take him out of his, you know, what they're trying to build and do their job. So if I see something like that, you know, you tell a guy, man, just stay on the ball. Stay on the ball, you know, just to keep him. Because to me, to me, hitting – in the cage and hitting off the tee and stuff, that's training. That's not hitting. That's not batting practice. That's training. Soft toss, hitting off the tee. I'm training myself to good habits. So I want to get to the point, me, I want to get to the point where I can swing as hard and quick as I can by the time I leave my house. Not spring training. I'm doing this in off season. Mm-hmm. I want to get as strong as I can. I want to get be able to swing as hard and quick as I can and have control, balance, and control of my body. You know balance. what I'm saying? Well, there's, a, there's a key yeah. word we don't hear much anymore. And I, when I really understood what balance mean was when uh, Big Mac was here, and then, you know, and Maze. I watched Maze all the time. I never took my eyes off of Maze. He never left his feet ever. He'd jump off the wall off of that cyclone fence out in San Francisco. You you went out and watched yeah. him, right? He never, never. You, did you ever see him on the ground? Nope. He had the greatest balance. He'd come in, he'd catch, he'd catch the ball off of the grass on a shoestring catch, right? Yeah. But he would never leave his feet. He never, you never saw Willie Mays dive for a baseball. So he never yeah. had a grass stain on him? Never, yeah. ever, never. He might have That's had true. a dirty uniform, That's but true. it wasn't a grass have. stain. That is true. I never have, and I'm in the bear. Uh-huh. And, you know, we talk about Maves and Mabry. I tell you what, not only one of the best people I ever met, but this guy works. John, John Mabry. Yeah. But this guy works, I mean – 
if if we're not successful as a team hitting, it's not because we're not prepared. I mean, this guy is there. These guys are there in the book. They're doing, you know, they're putting in the work, man. They are. And they're let me, let me ask you this. How, how important is a guy like uh, Marcelo sooner to the ball club and to other hitters, okay? He, he makes them all better, doesn't oh, he? Oh, man, that guy, he could carry. I mean, he, you know, all these guys. I mean, you got fam, you know, who's an – who's one of the better play all-around players in the game when he's on, you know, and he's mm -hmm. getting there. But Osuna is a different type player. I mean, this guy can run, you know, he can run. Well, he's, he's a five-star. Yeah, he's he good can do it all. Yeah. But now, but tonight's can, a great example. Bad, you got just, you got Jose Martinez, who's mm -hmm. the hottest. He's one of the hottest guys in the league right now. He's the, what, 11 out of his last 22 or something like that. And anyway, and the base is open. They're pitching to him rather than sooner, okay? Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, I, I kind of equate it to, and, and I, I hate to compare one error to another error, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can give you a couple examples. Remember when uh, uh, Joe Morgan was with Houston and they traded him to uh, Cincinnati, yeah, he, <laughs> and, he, and he got in between Bench and uh, Perez and the Hall of point. Famers over there. <clears throat> he had unbelievable years. I mean, and went right to the Hall of Fame, okay, to Cooperstown. And I'm not comparing, okay, that, but I'm, I, I'm just giving you an example. Another, there was another example, too, and I can't think of it right now. Well, I can but, give you one. I can give you one. Right. One year, Whitey called me and said, you're going to hit behind Jack Clark this year. Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, I knew I don't at that point with Jack Clark, I don't care who you put behind him, they're gonna walk Jack. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be me, it could be anybody. They're gonna and I knew that. So mentally, but the good great thing about Whitey, he called you during the off season two or three months ahead of time. Let you prepare. So mentally you can yeah. prepare for it, you can get stronger. But I know ain't no way in heck they're gonna walk, you know, I mean pitch to Jack. So I'm I'm mentally, but I'm prepared for it. So I have no excuse. Not I can to give you a couple examples. Uh we got Cepeda, okay? And Maris hit 61 home runs with the Yankees, right? And set the record. He didn't walk intentionally one time. That's because Mantle was sitting behind him, okay? He comes over here to us, okay? And he's not going to hit home runs anymore, but the National League pitcher didn't know that. He had a broken hand. So uh, Cepeda is the most valuable player of the National League. They walked intentionally walked Maris 23 times to get to him, okay? <laughs> That's just one example of it, okay, and what you're talking about, okay? But, but being prepared, okay? That's all you can do. That's all you mm -hmm. can do and have it knowing ahead of time that that's your role. You know, so you can put because the whole thing in a situation like that is, is it's a lot more, it's physical but it's mental too because it's going to be a lot of pressure put on whoever's hitting the next guy that gap. yeah and if i go to if you go to camp and all of a sudden you're going to hit behind you know two weeks ago before the season you're hitting behind such and such you know it, it ain't too many guys you know with the i don't care attitude and it doesn't bother them one way or another some guys you have to you have to let them know so they can get mentally get their yeah, game get, face I, on I exactly. another great example was uh mccubby when when he was with the Giants, he had all kinds of protection behind him. Then they traded him. He went to San Diego. There was no one down there that hit, hit you know that could protect him, but he actually set pitchers up. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, usually a pitcher and a catcher set up better up, but he was doing just the opposite. Okay, he was a really smart guy.
Well, if you want to see Willie McGee and the Cardinals, five, six, and ten game ticket packs are on sale now and feature 2019's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Cubs pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $79. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Certainly uh, Willie and also some other exciting additions to the coaching staff this year for new manager Mike Schilt. We'll talk about that in a moment on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Ravy and Mike Claiborne with you. Happy New Year. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, the end of the Mike Matheny era, Klaibs, uh, he came out of the gate after the 2011 World Series championship, led the Cardinals on an incredible run. A trip to the NLCS in 2012, a trip to the World Series in 2013, back to the NLCS in 2014, a 100-win season, and a matchup with the Cubs for the first time in postseason play in history in 2015, and then a couple of disappointing years when you're on the outside of the postseason looking in, and the decision came down, maybe surprisingly, right before the All-Star break to make a change. Yeah, but you know what, Chris? Surprising to some, but, you know, I think you and I talked about, I thought he had till the All-Star game to to show some sort of growth, and uh, it just didn't work. That Cincinnati series was tough to watch. Uh, The team just couldn't find any real traction. And the Cardinals thought it was time to make a change. And I think one of the reasons why it was so uh, noticeable, because the Cardinals just don't fire a lot of managers. I mean, they hadn't let a guy go since 95. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. But I think it was time for a change because I think there were some players that had checked out. It happened the Saturday after the game before the All-Star break. And on Sunday, Tom Ackerman sat down with Matheny. Miles from here, the Cardinals are playing a ball game against the Cincinnati Reds. And for the first time since 2011, you are not their manager. Just what is going through your mind as we sit here today? A lot. Um, Yeah, I say that uh, last night was the the worst night's sleep I've had in six and a half years, and um, just trying to get my head around uh, that it's a radical change. Um, so, very broad question that I don't have a great answer to because it just seems like it's a uh, swarming. But Tom, I'll start this the way it needs to be started, and the majority of of what's going around in my head is is gratitude and. You know, I look at uh, the fact that two times this organization stepped in and radically changed the course uh, of my life uh, when my career was almost over. You know, Tony La Russa, Dave Duncan, and Walt Jockety um, saw something to give me a chance to play, and uh, next thing I know, uh, I've made a team that I didn't even think I deserved to make and turn around and we're going to the postseason and they give me a gold glove after and um, a new career was started. And and then um, for Bill uh, DeWitt and, and Mo and Gersh to stick their neck out like they did to give the most unlikely candidate an opportunity uh, to come in here and, and then do a job that be honest with you um 
never realized I could love something more than playing the game, but uh, to do something that I enjoy so much and uh, to have these six and a half seasons um, to be back in uniform, to be a part of this organization uh, in a different role. Um, I, I can't get caught very long in anything negative at all because it just comes back to being grateful for those opportunities and for people believing in me and giving me a chance. Last night, when did you find out? Was it after the game, after your news conference? So, uh, yeah, it came in after the news conference. Um, obviously, somber mood every time we lose, but seemed to have an extra bit to it last night. And uh, I could I could tell we had some, some people walking around the clubhouse that aren't normally there. Um, and it uh, wasn't long after that I was uh, invited into a conversation with Bill and Mo and Gersh and and I had a pretty good idea where it was going at that point. Have you been able to be in touch with any of your players? The last count I had was uh, over 200 texts I've had, um, which, uh, as I told you about the gratitude before, just realizing um, how fortunate we are in this industry to, to be be able to meet and get to know so many people from from all across all walks of life. But um, a number of those texts were from former and current players, and um, you know I haven't uh, I, I haven't heard some of the the words that uh, you get to hear from people. Then then you do some at times like these um, guys, you know going and, and telling you how, uh, how much of an impact you had, not on just their career, but on their life. And uh, to me, you know, that was a big part of the personal goal I had of coming into this job is I want to make an impact. Um, believe that if you can help people and truly do with the pure motive of, of helping them to get better and for them to shine, uh, then the natural byproduct is, is they'll they'll do what they've been gifted to do and help them in that regard as well. But to hear some of the responses these guys have sent, um, truly some of the, uh, the coolest words ever, uh, ever spoken via text, um, but things I'll, I'll never forget. I could ask you the broad question of why do you think you were dismissed, but I, I want to break it into segments if that's okay. One would be on-field performance. How would you evaluate your success and failures in terms of on-field on-field performance over the last six and a half years, I mean, there's there's a bottom line. There's, uh, that's when I talk about personal goals. Um, there's also uh, objectives that come with the job description, and those are to win. And how whatever we have to do to make that happen, and when that doesn't happen, um, manager is certainly part of that equation. And so. Uh, you know, I look at what we have this year, and uh, we have talent. And when we can't put talent together um, to the point where people are excelling and uh, things are resulting how we want them to result, then um, that's not doing the job that I signed up to do. So uh, I get it. The Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up Saturday, January 19th through Monday, January 21st. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. From Matheny to Schilt, that's where we go next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne. We look back at 2018. Claib's Mike Schilt takes over, as we said. So many people have so much respect for Mike, and uh, boy, was it great to be around him every day and 
learn a little bit more about him, at least for me personally, uh, you know, as a guy and, and not just a, a coach. One of the neat things about Mike Schilt, he was very open, very honest, and he communicated with his players in that same manner. And he's a fun guy to be around. You've been around him enough, Chris, to know that he can he can amuse you, to say the least. But I think he's a, a very focused individual who fi- who's found the balance so far between making sure his players are accountable, but also giving them a, a seat at the table to make sure that they're all on the same page. He had a seat at the table with you and Mike Shannon still in uniform after one Friday night game. You started off coaching high school. I maybe you coached something else before that, but yeah. when did you say to yourself, you know, I want to be close to the game, and, and this is the best way I think I can do it? Well, I grew up with it and, you know, played and realized I was – that wasn't going to last you, long. You were short. I was way short. Yeah. Well, well, hey, nice to meet another short guy. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you, sir. Yeah. I'm not like, like, I don't mean physically, Claves. No, I, I mean, that's all. Oh. Neither, neither did I. Neither okay, did I wasn't I. sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, when I learned that I was, wasn't going to play basketball, Easy Ed McCauley played, yeah. uh, played with my high school coach, okay? And so he was playing with the Celtics at the time, and he was on the disabled list. And so. He had called my high school coach and said, hey, can I come work out with you? He thought he was ready to go back. So he, so my high school coach said, he's coming out. You can guard him. So anyway, uh, say a big guy like him, he can't shoot him out. <laughs> so I said, I better get a little closer. And I got closer, and he took two steps. Boom. He, I said, I think I better go something else. <laughs> I'm not, not going to be able to play this game. Exercise yeah. a couple other options that you have. Oh, man, I'm telling you, you could learn in – I learned in five minutes. I said, it's yeah. over. Yeah, well, at least you're a good self-evaluator. <laughs> Boy, it was easy to evaluate that. <laughs> so you decided, okay, I want to stay close to the game and – coaching bit you or you bit coaching? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in baseball, and, I mean, baseball bit me at an early age, and I didn't want to bite back because I loved it and in my blood and, you know, just always felt like home. So enjoyed it, studied it, um, enjoyed sharing information, you know, working with younger people and um, teaching. You know, I think, um, as George would say, Mr. Yeah, Kissel. T- tell us about uh, what what kind of effect he had on you, George Kissel, because he infected so many people that are not only players but mo- a lot of coaches and managers. Because I can remember managers from other teams, and I'm talking about guys, a Hall of Fame manager. They would come over and said, "Hey, is George there? Yep. I'd like to talk to him. Right, looking for advice." Yeah, I mean, you know, thinking about um, he had an impact on you know Earl Weaver played second base for him. He got you know encouraged Earl Weaver to start managing. There's one Hall of Fame. St. Louis guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and, he uh, died the same day Musial. That's not right. a good idea. <laughs> nobody, nobody knew that he had passed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's back page. I'm yeah, afraid, right. <laughs> my man Earl. Um, you know, and Sparky. You know, Sparky was yeah. was he was Sparky's guy and helped him out with Sparky and Tony and Tory. Oh, they all wanted to talk to George yeah. Kissel because of it. he. He was the most phenomenal teacher I've ever met. I thought he was the best teacher I've ever met in my life. It didn't matter what industry he could have been in. He was just a phenomenal teacher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard him say, uh, people would come to him and say, hey, can you talk to such and such? He said, no, it's not time. He said, there'll be a time when you need to talk to him, but now is not the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just had that great ability of knowing when and to uh, say say this or say that, and I and I went to the Boston organization and played there, and guys like uh, uh, Mace Brown, 
mm-hmm. and Bobby Doerr. Mm-hmm. Bobby Doerr's philosophy. It gets back to philosophies right. all the time. But, uh, I mean, everybody that plays the game, they usually know what they're doing wrong. But to correct it, you know, or to understand it, you know. And Bobby, Bobby Doerr would say, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't say, you know, you know, well, you're lunging or you're, you got your bat wrong or this or that. He'd let you say it. And, uh, then, and then you yeah. you said it. Then you said, "Oh, that's I think you I think you're right." You know, yeah. And he, he, the, you know, he said, "I think I got my hands too low." I said, "I think you're right." You know, because I've noticed you watched it. So it was you fixing yourself, you right. know, not him. Well, I think any good instructor, of course, George is considered one of the best of all time. You know, rightfully in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, and really, if you think about it, you know, we expand our horizons a little bit in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, he's but. You know, the, all the good teachers, George, of course, at the top, you know, they, they ultimately try to get the player to understand what they're doing so they can own it because they're the ones playing. They're the ones competing, and they're the ones that, you know, make the plays and think and do for themselves. And if you get them to think for themselves and, and um, understand what they're doing, I think that's the ultimate compliment that you, you should have as a, as a, as a teacher, coacher. How, how soon do you know the ability of a player? Is it almost right away, or does it take you a while? Yeah, you know, some guys come, they say, come at you, you know, when you're evaluating a player in a scouting term, you know, this guy comes right at you. You can just kind of see the tools and you see the way he plays. And, um, you know, we've seen, you know, I think Albert was probably that guy here, right? I mean, just showed up, started hitting, and everybody's like, man, this guy's legit. He's got a chance. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, and there's other guys that, that um, and that's one thing I appreciate about our player development department is um, we let them play. Let them let them get at bats. Let them get innings. And um, Mark D. John, our field coordinator, um, is here tonight. Actually, um, so I'm on the field. Yeah, yeah he, he, t- he always gave me good advice. He said, you know, you need to have an opinion to evaluate a player. And this is more at a lower level. Mm-hmm. But you need to let. Well, which that... is more difficult to. Uh, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it's much easier at the big league level than it is at it, eight yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, they get to be developed. But to his point, that's what he said. He said, you know, you can have an opinion. That's fine. But you. You play him, and you let him either prove that you're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And we do that. We give guys at bats. We give guys innings. And there's been – I mean, you look up, and we can list them all, but there's been a lot of successful guys in the last 10 years that are in the 20th round and beyond or even free agent, you know, that signed. And and um, that's that's a credit to letting them play. And, and another thing is we, we still coach them and teach them. I mean, clearly you're high-money guys and you're – your bonus babies, I mean, they're going to get more opportunities. They're going to get, you know, every bit of attention. But no one, no one ever gets shunned in this organization, and George was, you know, part of that philosophy with him too. I know you love teaching. What what element of the game do you like teaching most? Is it strategy? Is it a certain area? Whether Is it hitting? Is it pitching? What do you, what do you like to teach? Uh, uh, probably base running. I like strategy in general because that's more of my job now. Mm-hmm. But um, – I always, you know, when I started coaching, you know, I had some teams that were, um, you know, we needed to do everything right. And I looked up and, you know, we'd get – we'd average six hits a game. We'd walk twice, three times. We were on base eight, nine times a game. I said, well, if we're only going to be on eight, base eight, nine times a game, we better take full, absolute advantage when we're on the bases. And I always feel like it's the most undertaught part of the game. You know, we're going to spend our time on our defense. Clearly, guys are going to hit. Um but, you know, the base running is like the special teams of football. And you look up and you get in a close game and it either can win you or lose your game in a heartbeat. And, and, and 
most guys are going to be on base a lot. So you say, hey, look it, you can do this and you can do that. You know, I I just see pitchers and I'd say, you know, pitchers today, they might for a win, you know, you you win. It's just, say it's a it's almost a million dollars a win, you know, and the little things that they can do to help themselves, you know, yeah, like, including their offense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and you know. It's so easy. If, I mean, it's not easy, but you know, to explain it and then how it comes to, you know, there's just a key word sometimes that you. But basically, you just have a little part of the bat. That's all you want to put on the baseball. Yeah, thank goodness Mark Walsh was still in the clubhouse because <laughs> Shilty didn't have his keys, couldn't get back in after the segment, Claves. <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting to see him try and take a Uber home in, in a baseball <laughs> uniform. Speaking of uniforms, the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team returns to Bush Stadium on May 16th. Tickets on sale now at cardinals.com slash soccer. Back to wrap up this first hour of the program. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Profiles flashback. To hear more profiles, log on to KMOX.com. Search audio. A censorship clash unfolds in 1959 Montgomery, bringing people from different walks of life together to usher in change. Alabama story. Stephen Wolf, Augustine Family Artistic Director at The Rep. It's about a determined librarian and a segregationist senator who face off over an innocent children's book. Alabama story, a stirring testament to free expression. At The Rep, January 6th through the 27th. Tickets at repstl.org. Do one thing to protect the environment. It all starts with just one thing. Cars are one of the biggest sources of pollution. Reduce your impact and improve your mileage by removing any heavy items like golf clubs from your trunk. Also, keep your tires inflated to the proper pressure. Try walking or biking for shorter trips and combine all your weekly errands into a single trip. Not only will you be helping the environment, but you'll spend less at the pump too. It all starts with one thing. Find tips and more at OneThingUS.com. What's your one thing? The 2019 Cardinals official calendar spotlights the signature artwork of the team photographers with a special salute to unbreakable Cardinals records. And it's on sale now at St. Louis area retailers or call 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now to caller 3 at 314-531-9000. 1120. Welcome back, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne, as we look back on 2018 and get ready for 2019. We'll talk Bob Costas and the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame in our next hour, plus Miles Michaelis and a couple of records and a couple of incredible seasons that happened in the past. That's all coming up in the second hour of our show, our final show for 2018. Happy New Year to you. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby, Ben Boyd, our executive producer, and Carol, Mike Anderson, Zach Schmidt. It takes a village, and we're back with the second hour of the program after this. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
Second hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Happy New Year. We get set to turn to 2019 and look back on the 2018 year. Not just with the Cardinals, Claves, but how about the National Baseball Hall of Fame, the induction of Bob Costas. I know uh, a moment that meant so much to so many people, and I know as well as you know, Bob, uh, it was great last year at the winter meetings to get the word that he was going to be inducted and then to see it through in Cooperstown. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny. You and I were together when that announcement was made. We spent time with both Bob and his son, Keith. And then for it to go full circle where he goes in, and uh, I had a chance to visit with him before he went in. Fewest games broadcast for a Hall of Famer, but I think his fingerprints on the game are something no one would dispute. And Bob, more than anything else, congratulations on your induction. Thank you. And people, especially in St. Louis, are so kind about this and seem genuinely happy for me. And it's such a source of happiness for me that I'm a St. Louisan, if only an honorary St. Louisan. I lived here for more than 30 years. I come back as often as I can. Uh, more than half of my lifelong friends are in St. Louis. You know, everywhere I go, uh, I'll see people, um, St. Louisans who will come up to me at restaurants or just walking down the street uh, and say how happy they are for me and congratulate me and, and say that they're proud of me in some sense, which, which really makes you feel good. Interesting. I remember talking to you on that day of the, of the announcement, and you and I have been friends for a number of years, but I ran into Keith, your son, earlier, and... For you and him to share that moment, that had to be a blast, uh, unlike anything else you could ever imagine, especially because you guys are both in the same business. Ken Rosenthal, uh, the reporter for Fox Sports and uh, the MLB Network, uh, Ken took his cell phone. The baseball meetings were going on in uh, Florida, and the announcement was made there. And Keith didn't know it, and Keith was sitting watching MLB Network while they made the announcement that his dad had won this award and Ken recorded it on his cell phone and, and sent it to me and he said this is pretty cool yeah which it which it is uh, I we talked to him that same day and you know you, Keith is one of those stoic guys I mean he's got a witty sense of humor dry but to, to see him dry. <laughs> but to see him in that environment and I think it really kind of hit him too uh, not only it's his dad, but I think his idol that he's sharing this award with is, is something that uh, so, so few people have been able to experience. You know, I guess Joe Buck is going to have his turn. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there will come a time soon enough when Joe Buck is in Cooperstown and he will comprise with his dad the first ever father-son combination in the broadcaster's wing. And I think his experience will be somewhat similar uh, to Keith's. Keith did not become a broadcaster, he became a producer. But like Joe Buck, he was around the game and all the things that I broadcast from a very young age. I remember meeting Joe Buck when he was seven. And when Keith was five, six, seven years old, he was on the road with me when school let out at the NBA Finals or on weekends at the World Series or baseball playoff games. and. Heaven knows how many Cardinal games we went to each summer, probably 30, 35 games just to hang around. Um, you know, and he was, although he was always polite, 
Mr. Tory, Mr. LaRusso, Mr. Herzog. He was kind of on a first name basis with all those guys when he was just a toddler. Who were some of the people that inspired you? Because you grew up in, in what I call the golden era. Yeah. Um, not just for play by play, because your interviewing skills are certainly second to none. And when you were growing up, other than an Edward R. Murrow or someone along that line, there weren't really that many sit-down opportunities. So who were some of the people who had an impact on you? Well, when you talk about just interviewing and not sports broadcasting in general or play-by-play in particular, I thought Dick Cavett's show in the 1970s, mm-hmm. even though I was a huge Johnny Carson fan, I always checked to see who was on with Dick Cavett, and sometimes Dick got the nod over Johnny on a given night. Uh, Cavett could talk to a wide variety of people. There have been some unfortunate stories of late about Charlie Rose, but when you look at Charlie Rose's program over time, he could talk to just about anybody, uh, a wide variety. And I think that, along with an interest in in a fairly wide range of topics, helped me as an interviewer. Countless games, you've been a reporter, you've done play-by-play. But how much fun was it for you to to step out of that and do the sit-down shows, whether it's HBO or later or other programs that you've been able to do that weren't necessarily game-oriented? Oh, I like that very much. And in fact, now, with the exception of baseball and the NBA, which I follow, but I don't follow it as closely in terms of knowing every player on every team the way I used to, when the NBA was on NBC, but I still enjoy the NBA very much. Apart from those two things, the thing I most enjoy in sports are the programs that examine the issues. Yeah. I enjoy Brian Gumbel's program, uh, Real Sports. That's the 60 minutes of sports. It's the gold standard. I enjoy what Bob Lee and company do on on ESPN, on Outside the Lines, or what Jeremy Schapp does on E60. And when you mentioned interviewers, there's different kinds of interviews. There's the long form interview where you sit down with someone and get them to open up. But then there's also the pointed newsy interview and Gumbel was especially good at that. And Ted Koppel was a model on Nightline when it came to that. You were up late then. You, you oh, saw that. <laughs> he's always been a hawk. Don't, right. don't look for me doing calisthenics at dawn. That's not me. <laughs> you saw you weren't, Jack LaLanne was just a rumor to you. You know what? My grandmother used to watch Jack LaLanne, and she would stand there, and you know, Jack would say, and he'd act like no one who's listening to this even knows what we're talking about, unless they're 75 or they remember their grandmother. But Jack would say, Come on, Edna. I see you out there, Bertha. You know, Sally, you don't need a bands or weights. You don't need to go to the gym. Just grab a chair. Stick your leg out. Go one, two, one. And my grandmother would be doing this. So I knew who Jack LaLanne was. Then later on, I met Jack LaLanne, and he was a very nice man. Did he have his jumpsuit on when you met him? Or? You know, he did. And here was what was surprising. Obviously, pound for pound, this was one of the strongest yes. guys ever. Yeah. And he would like celebrate his 60th birthday by doing like 6,000 push-ups. Or and won the English Channel. Ro- like pulled pulled with the his rowboat teeth, with his right. teeth while swimming across a canal or something. And he was not a large man at all. Mm-hmm. He was about five foot four, but his physique was like a wedge. Perfect V. And he, yeah. yeah, perfect V. And he, he, he liked to wear that jumpsuit 
which we would too if we had the perfect hey, vegan. You know what? It worked for him. Yeah, I don't know if you sure wear it in a bar at night, but I think it certainly <laughs> has its pluses. What a conversation. We'll talk a little more Hall of Fame. The Cardinals Hall of Fame coming up in just a moment. Don't forget that if you donate a car to Goodwill, you'll get four free Cardinals field box tickets, a good chance to maybe see some future. Cardinals Hall of Famers at Bush Stadium. Hey, the U.S. women's national soccer team, they return to Bush Stadium on May 16th. Tickets on sale right now at cardinals.com slash soccer. We're back in a moment. We're talking Cardinals Hall of Fame on this Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. We're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. We're back on Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amron. The final time in the 2018 calendar year, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Claves, how about the Cardinals Hall of Fame and some great, great inductees in the class this year? Yeah, Vince Coleman, Ray Langford. Two really good speeches to go along with it, but, man, they were electric players in the Cardinal uniform. And uh, just to see the energy and the appreciation they showed to be able to come back home is something I won't forget. Those guys joined you before induction. First of all, gentlemen, welcome. Secondly, congratulations. Well, congratulations, then welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. I'm honored, I'm humbled, and I'm grateful. Uh, this is nothing that I never saw in my future. I saw me being a Cardinal player, but not as a Hall of Famer. You know, that's very few, far in between that, that this honor has happened. And um, I'm very, very excited about it. And um, I can't wait till tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait neither. Uh, I think one of those situations when you get drafted, you just look to go out and be productive and have a solid career. I never, you know, even in spring training and uh, opening day, you see like a bunch of the legends and they're wearing a red jacket. I just never picture myself ever wearing a red jacket I just always wanted to be consistent and um, just be known for just working hard and um, leaving it all out on the field well, and, and for both you guys coming up in the organization this is the first organization you were part of yes that that had to mean something to you as well it did it did um, you know coming from California um, kick coming out of Southern California I knew about you know Willie McGee and, uh, you know, Vince watching these guys just do their thing. When you were a kid. When I was a kid. He's a little bit older than me. You, you, Not much. You, but, you, but, you jumped uh, and clapped and fell off your big wheel. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you know, watching, those, watching you know, Vince do his thing, and it was like you know, watching him steal bases, man. It was like he was running on air. Tell us that story about when uh, you first came up and uh, Whitey said, well, you're just going to be here for a couple of days. So well, that, that, that was very true. Um, I first got called up. It was on a Wednesday, I remember, and uh, it was a day game. And, um, and Dale Maxwell had stopped me in the hallway, and he told me that you're only going to be here for four days. And I said, well, Dale, all due respect, you know, I'm a hard worker. I think I could stay a little longer. Well, Vince, I know you love your attitude. I love your work ethics, but you know, we, we don't have room for you right now. You're still a little green. You need to go back to the Maryland leagues. I say, okay, well, I'll, I'll let that take care of itself. So the first night still what four bases against Pittsburgh and Tony Pena is supposed to have been the best catcher in baseball and four nights led into uh, five nights and six nights. But I do remember going to on a first road trip and here it is the first road trip. And I was the odd man out, meaning that normally rookies have to share a room. 
But C.J. Cherry, the, one, the reason why I won Rookie of the Year, because he said, well, as long as you keep stealing bases, I'll take care of your room. So that means I didn't have to pay for my half. So <laughs> I, I remember those days. <laughs> you, mean you guys weren't making that $10, 20000000 Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> was dead. You can barely buy it. Yeah, that's why I hung out with Ozzy and Willie every day. You know, they, they could buy me lunch, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember those days we had to share a room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you got the wrong roommate, man, uh, somebody couldn't sleep at oh night. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. if you got the wrong roommate, especially right. if it was messy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wasn't good. <laughs> right. All right. I, but I, I have a presentation here, you know. I mean, you know, uh, I was a manager down at the fantasy camp, and my bench coach was there. <laughs> and I just want to present him as my most valuable player because I couldn't have done it without him. You know, he's very valuable. So I want to present him with his ring tonight on stage. <laughs> I was going to do this tomorrow on stage, uh, but I'm like, uh, no, no, no. I think tonight will be a little better. You, you want to tell the whole story of how I got this <laughs> ring? <laughs> this might get one oh, off the air, baby. Yeah. Huh? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I got off to a little bit of a rocky start, right? <laughs> and then I had to go on the cruise. And as soon as I went on the cruise, they started winning. And so Vince, Vince texted me, said, we won, and we voted you the most valuable player. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally got my ring. And I really appreciate you bestowing this on me because you were you were an inspiration to me. I'll put this one next to the, all the other ones I have. Oh, okay. Thank you very this much. Is, <laughs> and I'm glad you did it tonight instead of tomorrow. Right? <laughs> oh, so you guys are on stage tomorrow. Huh? And, and by the way, you only get two minutes. Two? Two minutes, yeah. Okay. I know you my wife you. and I have been talking about how long it should be. And yeah. so. Do you have uh, your speech I, already? Yeah. I ad lib, you know. I just uh, get up uh, there and just Ray? go where the spirit takes me, you know. Well, yes, I have my speech together oh, okay, a little right. bit. My you know, wife and I've been working on it. There's a little thing of the right things on. to say. I mean, there's so much to talk about and, and so who many to people think to and, think and all that, and all kind of that great stuff. stuff. You know, there's a little <laughs> pool going on. on who's go? Who's gonna cry tomorrow? <laughs> who's gonna cry tomorrow? You know, I, I've been crying writing my speech, so I know. I, so, so be you know what? I mean, so. I got news for you. You were the favorite. You were the favorite, yeah, so that well, that'll be fun, though. I, I mean, I, I, my heart is, you know, bleeds red. You know, I I, I I struggle with the fact that I didn't retire as a Cardinal. Uh, I regret leaving, um, but that's hindsight. But you know, is 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 a team, a city that I thought about every day of my life. You know, being here. You know, so um, and, and and this honor here today is uh, tomorrow would be overwhelming. Well, it's nice to hear that uh, from former players because uh, to show the kind of respect that you have for the organization and the uniform, all right? Correct. And uh, that's a, there's a couple of things in there that uh, we're lacking in our society, and that's uh, you hit them both on the head, you know. There's not much structure and there's not much discipline, but in a situation like this, you're talking about respect and, uh, and uh, uh, some other qualities that – uh, when you go to look at uh, organizations now, you don't see much of that. <clears throat> you guys both have it, okay? And that's, right. uh, you know, that's something that you don't run across very often. I don't care what industry you're in, whether it's uh, baseball or uh, any kind of sport or any other industry. If you work for Boeing or whatever, you know, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's who you, you know, there are two things that are really important in life. You know, you know your religion is one of them, then who you work for. That's true. True. Yeah. Right, right, right. Hey, for, for you guys, um, being on the ballot obviously was an honor, but what, what was it like when you got the phone call? Who, who called and told you you were going to be members of the Cardinal Hall of Fame? Bill DeWitt called me 
Um, and when the phone rang, um, you know, I knew it was a Missouri number, but I didn't know who it was. So Somebody looking me. for you. Yeah, I was like, okay, okay who's, who's calling me? You got the wrong <laughs> yeah, ring. <I'm>, hey, <laughs> that's a good one, Mike. <laughs> that's only no, because yeah, you know. Well, if, if that's a number you're not familiar with, a lot of times you kind of say, well, they'll leave a message. Yeah. And some say, you know what, let me answer this. And it was Bill, and he, and he told me. And I was with my wife, and we were sitting there actually having a margarita. <laughs> and um, it was a it was the best feeling because you know when you get drafted all you think about is just playing the game that you love and, and working hard so now just being honored for that there's no better feeling Vince, what about I, you? I had heard but it wasn't official uh <laughs> i was on the road in fresno i was working and uh i was playing golf and Mr. DeWitt call, and uh, I was two under par at the time, and then I went three over. <laughs> Wish he'd have called you at the turn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it didn't matter what I shot that day after I got that word, the news that I was uh, inducted into the hall. Where were a, you? Uh, Fresno, California. I was working, you know, for the Giants. Uh-huh. You know, I hate to say the Giants in front of the Cardinals, but, nah. you know. Um, but, um, I was um, driving en route down there, and um, and then once I got there, the phone rang, and I was, uh, uh, and he told me the news, and I, you know, tears came to eyes then, so I know I'll cry tomorrow. So if you want to- <laughs> it's all right, man. It's okay. Don't worry. All right, let's see. They got the, you two guys, and then uh, Harry Bacreen, somebody be from his family, you know. Uh, yeah, we met his son tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay. the lobby tonight. Yeah, so right? he's going to give it. Uh, he'll accept he's a talker, speech. too. So he Is that right? Well, yeah, I gave, I gave him a talk. Okay. <laughs> he's a talker? Well, I might need to go before him. <laughs> <laughs> you better, you better talk order? to him. I don't know. I'm going to ask you about two other guys that had an impact on your career, Ozzy and Willie. <laughs> you wait till tomorrow. To hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you. But, I mean, uh, Ozzy. How many of you guys knew of Johnny Lewis? Well, I, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you know, well, just, you know, he just passed well, away. Of about course, him. of course, oh, really? right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me yeah. let me say this about about Willie. Willie, one of those guys. He doesn't say a lot, but he says a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't, right. you know, he doesn't yeah, say a lot, right. but he says a lot. You know, right. he, yeah, said, he says the bare minimum. Yeah, Quality yeah. over yeah, quantity. Exactly, yeah, and that's yeah. and that's Willie. It doesn't get any better than Willie. Yeah. And you know, I feel blessed and and have Willie and Ozzy. You kidding me? That's that's. I was raised with you, father. You, you ruined with Willie, right? I mean, you he, you stayed with him yeah, for a little took while. Me on right? his wings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me about my speech tomorrow, man. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, Willie's the ultimate. I mean, there's it, no crying it, in baseball night. No, I know. <laughs> Willie's the best. Willie is the best. I mean, what a great individual. And he still is. He yeah. still is oh, to yeah. the day. You know, I mean, I talk to Willie at least once a week. You know, we had that bond. Since then, I can remember when I was leaving, and I laughed. I mean, Ozzy called me up and he said, "Vince, what we have between what we have with Willie and myself and 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 Ozzy was that you would never find in baseball again." And I was young; I didn't understand what he meant at that time mm-hmm. because I'm thinking I can go wherever I go. I'm, sure. I'm I'm the only child, you know. So everybody's my brother, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You know, I'm a rope up bowls. We go be friends. We go come to the locker room every day and check our ego in at the door, and you know, have that focus. No. It wasn't the same. No, I played on. I played with King Griffey Jr. It wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I went to Cincinnati, went to Detroit, 
Kansas City, it wasn't the same. It wasn't like the Cardinals. There's nothing yeah. like the Cardinals. What a scene that was. And, man, it's always great to hear from Ray Lankford and Vince Coleman. Let's give away another calendar. The Cardinals 2019 official calendar spotlights the signature artwork of the team photographers with a special salute to unbreakable Cardinals records. It's on sale now at St. Louis area retailers or at 314-345-9000. Caller 4. At 314-531-1120 gets a 2019 Cardinals calendar. Let's talk Miles Michaelis next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. We're back on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Happy New Year from all of us on the Cardinals Radio Network with Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. Claves, we already talked about Miles Michaelis's impact on the mound, but I think Cardinal fans and the community really took to him as he was chosen as the 2018 Sports Personality of the Year Award winner at this year's Jack Buck Awards. Personality, the name of the game. You chatted with Miles often throughout the year and talked things away from baseball. I love the Styles with Miles segments. We'd see him on game days, days he was pitching, being loose, playing ping pong, chatting, having fun. Uh, he was just a great guy to be around looking forward to this year, and then who knows, hopefully more beyond that. You know, Chris, you're right. He he was such a fun guy to be around. Uh, he didn't care if he was pitching or not. He could still sh- uh, strike up a conversation, and he was certainly the best-dressed player on the team after Tommy Pham got traded. Miles Michaelis, the Sports Personality of the Year Award winner at this month's Jack Buck Awards. Let me first say thank you to the – MAC and everybody who voted for me, uh, this is a huge honor. Uh, you know, still speechless as to, you know, how to even comprehend, you know, being so humbled and being so honored to be on a list of, uh, list of names with 15-time All-Stars, uh, Super Bowl MVPs, Hall of Famers, uh, and then just, you know, little old me, kid from Jupiter, uh, you know, scratched his way back to the major leagues from Japan. Uh, you know, and, and, and to that and you know, to, to what Mo said, um, being able to balance that, and with all the family stuff that went on, and uh, you know, I want to give my first thank you uh, to my wife Lauren, who's not not able to be here today. Uh, she's back at home taking care of the kids. Uh, you know, they're probably up screaming right now. Uh, it's about that time of night. Uh, but she's incredible, and and she helps me balance everything on and off the field. She's she's always there, right by my side. She's my rock, uh, the love of my life, and uh, you know, can't wait to spend the rest of our life raising our kids together. And a uh, uh, second big thank you to my mom who tagged along all the way from Jupiter. Thank you, mom. <laughs> uh, my mother used to root me on so hard that she was once uh, ejected from a Little League game. <laughs> uh, she was arguing balls and strikes uh, with the umpire for me, and she was asked to, uh, you know, go wait in the parking lot, so... In order to see her stay for more games, I had to throw more strikes. So thank you. <laughs> also, uh, also the mother who would take me out of school early uh, and surprise me with tickets to uh, St. Louis Cardinals spring training game down in Jupiter. So thank you again. So when I first heard that I was uh, going to receive this award, I thought, great, an award. Who doesn't love 
an award. I was, I was very excited and, and happy to be a part of this event. And then the more, the more I researched it, the more honored and the more humbled and you know, the more nervous I became as, as I realized what, what the importance that this meant to St. Louis and being part of this great tradition and being part of such a great sports town and not, now to have my name uh, alongside those, those incredible athletes and those incredible people is just, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm so taken back and uh, still, still left kind of speechless. But, you know, thank you to Mo for, for signing me and, and giving me this chance, this opportunity, uh, you know, and, and all the scouts and everything that, that they saw in me and while I was in Japan. And it's, it's been a long road back all the way from that decision to take the leap to go to Japan and to go there and, and work on those things that I knew that I wasn't so great at and, and work hard to try and reinvent myself and to make it all the way back and then to make it here in front of you people tonight is just really just the icing on the cake. And, you know, if I never win another award uh, for the rest of my career, this is definitely one that I'll remember for the rest of my life. This is, this is where I want to be. I think this is where every you know, professional athlete wants to be. They want to be on a podium. They, they want to get an award. So this is where I want to be. And it takes me back to a story when I had just signed with the Padres. And we were getting a speech from one of our minor league coordinators. And he said, hey, you know, this is, this is spring training. You're getting assigned to a double-A club, a triple-A club, you know, maybe a single-A club. And he said, if you don't like where you are, play better. Don't complain about it. Don't, don't blame coaches. Don't blame someone else. Don't blame the kid who was picked in front of you who gets all the breaks. He said, play better. And I think, as I look back, that's something that, that resonates with me. I was, you know, I, was, I was up and down in the major leagues, and then I was in Japan. And I, I did love Japan. Uh, you know, Tokyo's a great place. Uh, Yomiri Giants, thank you. They're a great organization. But that's not where I wanted to be. I, I wanted to be in the major leagues. So I, you, know, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, you need to play better. And through all that hard work and all that effort to, to finally get that chance for, for Mo to give me that chance um, and you know, for my agents to, to help and make that happen uh, and to make it happen in you know, the, the best sports city of the United States is really, really just... It's, it's an incredible feeling, and uh, to kind of finish the night off, I want to just go through some more thank yous so I don't forget anybody. Uh, along with my mom, I want to thank my dad, who's, who's back in Jupiter, not able to be here, for driving me to all those, all those tournaments down in Miami, up to Orlando, all over the state of Florida, for, uh, so I could make all those baseball games, kind of ply my craft. Thank you for my Aunt Randy, my cousins, everyone being here, my family in St. Louis, uh, helping me make the transition, helping me make the adjustments, uh, always being there at the games. Uh, extra fans in the seats cheering us on. Uh, my brother and sister, you know, for always being there to me, for me. Uh, my brother, Douglas, playing wiffle ball with me in the backyard since we were 10 years old. Uh, you know, he was a tough out back then. But, uh, but I eventually caught up to him. I eventually caught up to him, so he was a good guy to have. You know, it's always good to have an older brother to, to kind of push you. And uh, thank you to my wife again and all my wife's family, everyone. Uh, we have an amazing network of family back down in Jupiter who helped out with the twins. Uh, I have to thank them while I'm up here. Uh, without them, Lauren and I would be even more sleep deprived than we already, 
than we already are with the little ones. So, you know, a, a big thank you to Pat, Mike, Jenny, and Kurt, and, and Jackie and Luke and everybody that's back there. Uh, you know, when they hear the speech, they'll know that I was thinking of them. And, uh, you know, thank you to St. Louis. Uh, you know, best fans in baseball, and it's an honor to be a part of this, this tradition, and it's, it's an honor to be up here. Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing what Miles Michaelis does on and off the field this year. You can see Miles Michaelis at the Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up Saturday, January 19th through Monday, January 21st. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. Let's talk Mark McGuire. Let's talk Bob Gibson. Let's do it next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Well, we have a few more minutes with you on Cardinals countdown to opening day as we look towards the 2019 season. Still some more to get to in 2018. And wow, uh, when you think about the Cardinals and we take you back 20 years, Klebs, uh, tell me what it was like summer of 1998 to watch Mark McGuire put on the show that he did along with Sammy Sosa. Well, I'd start with batting practice. Um, they opened the gates early, and you'd come in, and he'd take BP, and and he would hit some shots, and you would just be in awe. And if you remember, we weren't good that year. We weren't going to be in postseason play. So this is the only game in town, and he was the draw. He was probably – the Cardinals were probably drawing better than some teams that would have been in postseason uh, just because of the McGuire show. And he didn't disappoint. Uh, he was very dramatic all the way down to the last day against Montreal. Uh, it was a fun time to be a Cardinal and Mark McGuire fan. McGuire is set. So is the right-hander. All six feet, five inches of him. He's set. And the first one to a Big Mac. Swing! And get up, baby! Get up! Get up! Get up! Home run! He's done it again! 70 home run! Take a ride on that for history! be shooting at that one for years and years. He gets a high five from Guerrero, from the shortstop, from the third baseman, he gets a high five. Unbelievable. How, how can you end a season better than Big Mac has just done? To see Mark come back and to see him come back in a couple of different roles, uh, to see how that story unfolded and, and continues to unfold, what do you appreciate about the way Mark handled everything? Well, I think the way he handled things post-career is something I've appreciated. He wasn't the easiest guy to get along with when he was playing. But once he cleared the air about what he was involved in, he became a very uh, approachable, a very giving person that uh, I've come to appreciate and call him a good friend because uh, we love talking hitting and we loved a lot of other things that he was about. Uh, and he knows he owes the game a lot, and he's willing to give back. And a guy who was inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame in 2017, along with Tim McCarver and Pepper Martin, that's a pretty good class. Yeah, you you can't argue (laughs) with that group, man. And uh, it it was fun. And I I think this Cardinal Hall of Fame project has really been good for for baseball in St. Louis. Gives the fans a chance to, to truly recognize and remember people that had an impact on them being Cardinal fans. We remembered some other incredible Cardinal teams and some other incredible feats. I'll take you back 30 years before that. Bob Gibson, 1968. I was a pup, but 
Apparently, he was hard to hit that year. (laughs) Now, K-Line has two strikes on him, and he's fouling off the pitches. Gibson getting his side from McCarver. Here's a set by the right-hander. The pitch to K-Line. Swing and a miss, and the record is high. Gibson has tied the record of Sandy Koufax. 15 strikeouts in a single World Series game. Trying for number 16 right now against Cash to break the record. He takes his set position. He delivers. Here's a pitch. Swing and a miss. He did it. Cardinals lead 4-0. The Tigers have Stanley at first. And two down of the ninth inning. Horton waiting. Here it comes. It's a strike. And he was such a good player. I mean, just not just the the ERA, but, you know, he could swing the bat. The pitch. Swung on. A long drive deep left center. Way back. is Might be out of here. It could be. And it is a home run for Bob Gibson. And, boy, that was at the 379-foot mark up against a battery of cameras that are placed up there. Bob Gibson joins the list of pitchers who have hit home runs in World Series competition. And the score is now three to nothing. He probably would have hit you if you were too uh, well, close yeah, he's, as a kid. He's threatened that me, to me on multiple occasions, which is why I waited for him not to participate in fantasy camps. To oh, I meant even if you work. were a little kid facing him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't make a difference to him. But, man, what, a, what an incredible season. And that was a really good team that he played on. Uh, they lose to Detroit in seven games, and that's one That's one series that you don't ask Mike Shannon or Tim McCarver about. They're still mad about that one. Yeah, luckily, though, we've been so fortunate the last couple of years, both with the 1967 World Series and the 1968 World Series, to have those tapes and play portions of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on rain delay theater. And, and to hear guys like Jack Buck, but, you know, Harry Carey and, and Pee Wee Reese, it's unbelievable to listen to those games. Well, we're spoiled. You know, you, you mentioned Harry Carey. If you listen to him, and I know everybody remembers him from Holy Cow, he was a really good broadcaster, very descriptive. And they they made radio, baseball on the radio, make you seem like you were there with their description of the game. And that's something that Harry Carey, I don't think, got enough credit for. Well, we're going to be back in uh, just a moment to wrap up. But, Klebs, wow, what a year it was, even if it didn't end in a World Series championship, like I know the organization strives for every year. I think some very exciting groundwork laid. There's still work to be done. We're going to be at winter warm-up here in a couple of weeks. We're going to be in Jupiter, Florida in about six weeks, well, some of us, I'm looking at you, enviously, yeah. will be there, will before, be there that. before that. Yeah. And, man, here's to uh, a great last couple of days of 2018 and an even better year ahead. Looking forward to it, Chris. Uh, we got a lot in front of us, and uh, we're going to have a good time experiencing Cardinal baseball in 2019. Absolutely agree with you, my man. Let's take one more break. We'll come back and get out of here. It's the final edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. It is the New Year's edition of the program. Back in a moment with more. Don't go anywhere on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. 
What a 2018 it's been. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you one final time on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy holidays. Hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. We've had an absolute blast being with you, and we'll be back next week. Don't worry, not going anywhere as we shift our focus to 2019. You should focus on Cardinals ticket packs, Cardinals 5, 6, and 10-game ticket packs on sale now, and they feature 2019's top games and top promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Cubs pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $79. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Thank you to all of our guests throughout this year, and we're going to have plenty more starting next week. A big thanks to Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, and Zach Schmidt, uh, who help us out here at the Cardinals Network Studios, and Ann Carroll. We could not do it without Ann on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you next week. Let's get ready. We're getting closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting, and we're with you every step of the way this offseason on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.